we have been doing a series, what I call a series, developing and unfolding. And so I'll ask uh, Andy to put my scripture verses up there as we move a little further into this uh, discovery and the answering of questions. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? The question that he's asking is, what is the perspective? What is the revelation? What is the insight or lack of insight that, you know, that you're hearing? So they said, some say you're John the Baptist. Not bad company, huh? Some Elijah. Now there's Jeremiah or one of the prophets. So there is a variety of, you know, perceptions and uh, sense of, 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 of who this, who Jesus is. He said to them, so now, you know, what's the general public's view? What's the general public's understanding? What's the word on the street, by and large, is what he's asking, you know? I don't think he was asking for a, a you know, it for an ego trip. No. I don't even know that he was asking it, you know, uh, out of curiosity, but he was trying to discover probably revelation that was going on and happening from all that he had done and all he had said. So who do you say I am? That is the question that we want to pose today. Uh, who do you say that who do you say Jesus is? Why is it important? Well, for a lot of reasons, but and you, we couldn't impo- couldn't cover them all, but identity has a great deal to do with association. Identity has a great deal to do with, you know, uh, a sense of who they are, what they are, and what they can do. There is some kind of picture that will always go along with your uh, sense of who a person is.
Peter said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. A personal revelation. Why it's important of having a perspective of who Jesus is is going to determine to a very large degree you know, how you relate to him. How, what you expect when you may engage him. A very simple picture that I might use is you don't go to McDonald's to get a steak. You have a perspective, you know what is offered under that name. And so the more you understand and the more you comprehend, you know what I mean, who Jesus is, the more you'll be able to be positioned to receive from who he is, what he has done, and, you know, what he offers. Peter says you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Now, that's that's a pretty amazing you know, statement right there, and obviously so because the Father has revealed it to him, but what does you're the Christ mean? What is the revelation that's behind this Christ? And then what does the statement that we're the Christ, the son of the living God. What is incorporated in that? How you perceive and what you believe is going to dramatically impact your your whole life, your whole formation. Remember that his home, the hometown people saw only the natural Jesus. And so there was great limitations that flowed from him to them. Because their perspective, you know what I mean, had not yet been expanded. Throughout the scriptures, when you begin to read the various people that came to Jesus... Some were blind, some were deaf, 
Some were lame. Some were guilty. Now, why did they come to him? They came for something. They came for something and and they evidently perceived that he had that something. You go to an eye doctor for what? Well, everybody knows that one. (laughs) I'm not going to say it. I don't get it wrong. You know what I mean? (laughs) But you see what I'm saying? You go. You know what I mean? Because you know that's what they do. Or that's, in this case, you go because you know that it's in him. It's not just what he does. It's who he is. If you go to the doctor to help with your healing, the reason you go is because you're expecting some help in that arena. So, who do you say Jesus is? And out of that discovery, you get a, an opportunity. Because you see, when Peter said, thou art the Christ, he's opening this full door of the Old Testament from Genesis all the way to Malachi. And in each one of those books, there is a dynamic, you know, revelation and, and revealing, you know, of the Messiah. Now, it wasn't called Messiah in Genesis. It's called a seed of a woman. But a seed of a woman is going to come along and... How many know that there was many seeds of women from that prophetic word to when finally it was the seed of the woman that was going to crush the head, that was going to turn the chaos back into order? It was going to go ahead and, you know, undo what sin and man had done. Sin, man, and Satan. <coughs> yes. So very simply, church, you know what I mean? 
Who do you say Jesus is? What is your revelation of him? I think it's a worthy thought because Jesus asked it. You know? Not out of curiosity and, and trying to be inquisitive, but to, to draw us, you know what I mean, uh, into a, a, a realm of thought. In a realm where you're actually, you know, you know what, maybe we should think about this. Maybe I should do some discovering. Yes. You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Number one, who is he? He's your representative. He is your supreme representative. He is the sum total of all divine powers and attributes. You're the Christ, the son of the living God. He's the head of the new federation. Now, what does that mean? Federation simply means that one man represents the whole. When Adam sinned, he represented the whole. That's why when you read, then you can understand it. By one man, sin entered into the world. By one man, you know what I mean? Righteousness came upon all men. And so now, he is, he's your head. He's your head. And then Jesus, it's not your unrighteousness that gets, comes to the forefront. That was in the old Adam or head of a federation. In Jesus, it's who he is and what he has done and how God views him that now becomes your legacy. Yeah. It's amazing by that one man, Jesus.
I have free access and total access and complete freedom to come to the Father because of that one man. I don't have to wait until I reach some level of accomplishment, you know, growth, maturity. Because he's my representative. He is the supreme. The book of Hebrews is a, is a book of, of comparison and contrast. And let me quickly, you know, help you to see who Jesus is so that you can know and I can know who and say who Jesus is. Because what does being the Christ mean to you? What is the Son of God? What does that do for your life? I mean, this revelation of Christ, you know what I mean, to the apostles was so dynamic and so, so powerful that, that, you know, that when they came to the various things in life and even when they faced death it was the motivating factor yes so inspired their life that it dictated their living yeah He's the supreme revelation of God. He is the invisible becoming visible. Jesus. As Hebrews points out, he has preeminence over all the prophets. Who are you? Well, you're Elijah, you're Jeremiah. No, he's better than that. He's greater than that. See, they spoke the word of God. He is the word of God. They were prophets. He is the son of God. And he has been made heir of all things. This Jesus has created the worlds. Yes, Jesus. By him all things were created, and without, without him was nothing made. There's more to him than just the physical stature. Who are you? You're the son of the living God. Woo! Peter, you've 
that amazing revelation that's come to you. Because this son of man is not just the son of man. He is the son of God. Yes. He upholds all things by his own power. The Bible says there are a lot of powers, but all powers are ordained of God. Think about it. Your representative, the Jesus that you know, he's head over all the powers. That one who's the savior of the world is not only, you know, saving the world, he is controlling the world. You might not like the world. (laughs) To think that he's not only the heir or the creator, but he's the heir. He is the one who has the rightful inheritance of all things. of things in heaven and things in earth. You're the Christ. And then Hebrews goes on to talk about Jesus and the angels. Well, if you've read some stories about angels, it's not a bad arena. It's pretty powerful. The Syrian army, one angel slew 185,000 men in one night. Yeah. Angels have been involved in the welfare of mankind, have been involved in the communication to mankind, and they've been, they've been voice pieces, you know what I mean, or mouthpieces, rather, of God. But all of a sudden, the Hebrews chapter 1 says, God has sent a messenger a new voice you know what a what a great time period we live in seriously you're not getting just the voice of prophets you're getting the voice you know of god 
He who at sundry times or various times, different times, has spoken to, unto us by the voice of the prophets, has in these last days spoken unto us by the voice of his son. <coughs> you don't get a better message. You don't get a clearer, clearer message. And you can't get a message more personal than what you get through Jesus Christ. I like to give you a little picture about this, how he's greater than angels. Hebrews chapter 1. To which of the angels did he ever say, you are my son? I will be a father to him and he shall be a son to me. None. Now, when he brings the firstborn into the world talking about Jesus, he says, let all the angels of God worship him. He's got preeminence. He's not just better, he's super better. And here's what he says about angels. You're ministers and spirits that can make people a flame of fire. But he says to the son, your throne, O oh God, is forever and ever, and the scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. Why is all this important? No matter what your political affiliation is, we need to know someone's in charge more than Donald Trump. Or Putin. Was that his name? I don't know how you silly the last name, you know. The superpowers. There's only one superpower. Hallelujah. You see, he wants us to see. Because when you see it, then you'll begin to relate to him. Yes. Then he goes on to say, he said, you laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will grow old like a garment, like a cloak you will fold them up and they will be changed, but you are the same. Then he asked the question regarding angels. He says, to which of the angels has he ever said? Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies their footstool. Then he contrasts Jesus and Moses. 
Why is he doing that? He's not putting Moses down. He's trying to get us to see how exalted Jesus is. Yes. You see, Moses was the most exalted person in the Old Testament. He was the mediator of the law. But he was just a servant. Jesus is the builder. He was just a servant. Jesus is the owner of the house. That's what he said. Moses served in the house. Jesus owns the house. Hallelujah. How many know that there's a level of authority and preeminence in the owner? He's not renting anything. It's his. It's his by right of birth. It's his by right of inheritance. And it just goes on and on in Hebrews and talks about the priest and the comparisons of the priesthood. Now, of course, you have to study the priesthood to see what, how important that would be in your life. Because a priest, you know what I mean? His role and his job was to represent you before God. And his representation of you now doesn't just simply include, you know what I mean, a a bull or an ox. That's not what's in your corner. What's in your corner is the offering of Christ's own body. He did it once and for all, and so it's standing once and for all. As I wrap this up, ask my musicians to come this morning. I hope you get just a little bit of picture of, and as you study it on your own, put some what I think might be simple yet yet so profound things that as Jesus is as our representative, who he is in this Christ and the son of the living God. As our representative, he obeyed for us where Adam failed in his disobedience. Yeah. 
that's a boy. He did it. Where Adam failed, he succeeded. He overcame the curse of sin with his triumph at the cross. He overcame sin with holiness. He overcame death with life. He overcame the painfulness of labor in life with eternal rest. He overcame broken relationships. Broken relationships to God with reconciliation. He has overcome the groaning of the earth with a new creation of the earth. Now, you know, probably not the first one on your list that you're excited about. But it's still there. Fear with confidence, anxiety with peace, despair with joy. He overcomes the work of the flesh with the fruit of the Spirit. And we start to get a little closer to home, but it does. Who is Jesus? the story of the disciples and how Jesus had been visiting them after, after the, the resurrection and one time in the meeting you know what I mean Thomas was missing you know and they began to report to him what they had seen and how Jesus had met them and he goes you know that's a good story guys it's a good story But when he saw the nail prints in his hand and his side and was offered to be able to touch them, all of a sudden, you know, the Jesus that was died and buried is now alive to this point. He knew he had died. He knew he was buried, but he wasn't convinced that he was alive. And if there's any major tipping point, that gives everything its credibility and power it's really getting a hold of that Jesus is alive and we say it but is it really impacting us you know now I know that when it comes right down to it when we're pushed into it you know we get strengthened by it and we say oh yeah amen and we move but how about living 
regularly. He's alive. <laughs> and if he's alive, then everything he said is alive. So Thomas said, My Lord and my God. See, something could be your Lord without being your God. Yep. Lord and Master. But here he is, you know, because he was already, Jesus had, was his Lord. He had been following him. He had been with him. You know what I mean? He, he went through it all. But all of a sudden, he is not just Lord. He is God. And that means something. <laughs> it means something. That's why we worship, because he's God. He's God. I think that as the church is, as we as the church, I'm not talking about the next generation to come, but right now, you know what I mean? We're the one that it's, you know, where the rubber meets the road. That he's alive. That he's... Because he's alive, that makes him God. And not just Lord. Stand with me. Oh... That is the question that he's asking. Who do you say I, the Son of Man, am? Who is he? In whatever you Get, begins to be revealed you know who he is then you'll find you know what I mean you coming to him for who he is yes because it's out of who he is is what he does both having done and will do and the good news is that he's always in the process of revealing himself to us revealing himself unraveling I want you to ask the Lord I really want to know who you are care if you know what I mean if you're like Thomas and you said you know what I mean I, I'm not there yet that's okay let him come let him show up 
let him step in and let him show you who he is. Is it possible there's more than what you know today? Is it possible? I believe there is. Now, that's what, that's what Paul says in Ephesians. He said, I'm praying that the eyes of your understanding, these are believers, they've got faith, they, they're saved. That you might know the hope of this calling. God really wants to get us inspired, you know, of what he has, you know, planned and determined and what's, what's connected to all this. The riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. You really have a connection. You really are connected. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us? Who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Fire above all principality, power, might, dominion, every name that is named, not only in this age, but in that also in that which is to come. And has put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. Man, we got a powerful and amazing leader. Which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. I mean, you talk about, you talk about an intimate and a, you know, and a connection. Yeah. Hallelujah. Seated in the heavenly places, but yet at the same time, divinely and, you know, uniquely and presently connected to us. Amen. Give the Lord a praise this morning as we go. Hallelujah. Who Jesus. Amen. He's more than you think today. Amen. Hallelujah. Love one another. God bless you in the name of Christ.